Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and we are continuing our look at Doom Patrol. So, yes, I have missed a week. Uh, I had a comic book convention to go to, East Coast Comic Con. I'm going to talk about that a little bit towards the end. Uh, I also did an excellent episode with my friend Jason. We did a Versus episode uh, where we did our sort of dream tournament, uh, All Valley 18 and Under Karate Tournament in honor of the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai, where we pitted a young Johnny Lawrence, a young Daniel LaRusso, um, Robbie Keane, and Miguel Diaz, both of them from Cobra Kai. Uh, We had all four young men kind of do our own little tournament there, and we picked a winner, so that's a great episode, so take a look back. But we're here to talk about Doom Patrol. So up front, once again, it is going to be spoilers on this one. So, of course, we're looking at Doom Patrol episodes 13 and 14, uh, 13 entitled Flex Patrol and 14 entitled Penultimate Patrol. Uh, We're getting close to it. There are 15 episodes in this season. Episode 15 will be coming out later this week. So we are getting close to the season finale of Doom Patrol. It's all been leading up to it. A final showdown with Mr. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a final showdown. But definitely a showdown with Mr. Nobody. So, again, I can't state it enough. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. I'm going to be talking about both episodes going back and forth. One flows right into the other. So, if you haven't seen both of them or if you missed one of them, uh, there's going to be spoilers. So, check out those episodes and then come on back and take a listen. So, pretty much, you know, at the end of uh, episode 12 there, the Doom Patrol, they they rescued Cyborg from the ant farm, uh, which was sort of like that research facility slash holding facility that the Department of Normalcy had. Uh, they they did rescue Cyborg, however, uh, due to the meddling or the, the influence of Mr. Nobody, Vic nearly beat his father to death. Um, so the next episode pretty much starts with them uh, taking Silas Stone to the hospital. Victor, of course, goes along with him. So Cyborg is now out of this... Well, he's out of that episode. He's not off of the, uh, the series at all, despite something that happens towards the end of this particular episode. So really what we get now is um, they actually recognize that the guy that was in the that was in the cell next to Victor, they recognized him to be Flex Mentallo, who Danny the Street did tell them that the key to finding where uh, the chief was is Flex Mentallo. They need to find him first. And I believe it's actually Rita that recognizes him, despite the fact that he's got long, shaggy hair and a beard. He looks like a mountain man. And clearly he has no idea who he is. It is Rita that does kind of recognize him. So the first thing they do is they cut his hair and they shave off his beard and they dress him back up in his uh, leopard print little bikini briefs there. Pretty much dress him up like Flex Mentallo. Uh, if you remember from a couple episodes before when they did a flashback to uh, what Flex Mentallo looked like, that's really what we get right here. But still, he has no idea who he is. So they try jogging his memory a little bit. Um, it doesn't really, really work. He, he thinks that these guys are absolutely crazy. And he's very upset because he's missing his favorite soap opera. Now, I don't remember the name of the particular soap opera at all. But it was the one that when we saw him in the ant farm, he was watching TV. He was talking to Victor. Kind of through the vent there. You know, that's pretty much what I think they used to kind of keep him... Uh, under their influence, under their control. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he, that's all he really cares about is this particular episode, or I'm sorry, this particular, um, soap opera, uh, which, you know, he thinks is current, but I think it actually took place in the eighties or perhaps even nineties, because when he mentions it, Cliff goes, 
Oh, yeah, I was a guest on that show. And they actually watched the episode where we see Brendan Fraser as Cliff Steele there doing a phenomenal job of acting as race car driver Cliff Steele, visiting a, a sick boy in the hospital. And this is why Brendan Fraser is such a great actor, because he is acting on a soap opera, but pretty much like a typical athlete or really non-actor he's he's stiff as a board he's nervous as anything um you know a sample of it you know is uh he's visiting a kid in the hospital and he's standing there over the bed and he's pretty much got like his his hands on his hips and he's just got this grin plaster to his face and he goes hey there bobby i hear you're my number one fan why are you in bed you should be up and about, you know, and it's just, you know, everybody makes a comment about it. They're like, Cliff, you're on the show. And he's like, well, there's was talk of a daytime Emmy. Um, it's just, it's really, really funny to see. And really this episode kind of, kind of breezes by pretty quickly. Um, you know, we get, um, you know, like I said, we get, um, you know, we really get the focus of the team here is them trying just to get Flex Mentallo to get him back to remembering who he is because apparently he is the key to helping them find the chief. And that's really what we get in this episode. But something else that really happens during this episode is, like we said, uh, they did take Silas Stone to the hospital. Um, they took Cyborg there as well to be with him. And Rita's kind of saying, like, we can't just leave him there. He's an emotional wreck. So um, Jane, in her flit personality, basically flits Rita over there to the hospital. And it's really, really good because what we get here is we get throughout the series, we've seen Rita kind of go from this spoiled actress, very self-centered and self-absorbed to realizing that, you know, Rita Farr, who is not her real name, that was her stage name, that Rita Farr is not a real person. And the, the sort of the character of Rita Farr is really, she was a monster. She was a horrible, horrible person. And she's trying to shed that and really just become a better person. Now, whenever we look at Rita and we ever, whenever we look at Mr. Nobody dealing with Rita, kind of trying to bring up these self-doubts and everything, there's always something coming up with a baby. You know, we hear a baby crying. We see a baby carriage. You know, we see her feeling sort of very remorseful, like there's something like, did she, you know, did she have an abortion? Did she, you know, get rid of a baby? Like, what is it with this baby? So we really get to find out what it is here because um, she's in the waiting room. Basically, you know, Cyborg's in there with his dad and she's in the waiting room and she's feeling a little uncomfortable. She decides to go out when a patient comes off the elevator and this is Ed Asner. Uh, Ed Asner is a legendary actor. Uh, you know, he's been on many, many TV shows in the movies and, you know, he, it's kind of a blink. You'll, you'll miss him thing. It's, you know, he, he really kind of acts more as like a sounding board for Rita. Like basically he pays, he plays a, a patient at the hospital. That's just trying to find his way back to his room. And Rita, you know, she doesn't really want to, but she decides to help him out and they get to talking. And, um, she really kind of spills the beans here about what it is about this whole baby thing. And really what we find, like what her big sort of inner turmoil, what her big, you know, guilt is, is that when, you know, after everything that happened with her, when she got infected with that parasite or chemical or whatever it was that basically turned her into Elastigirl, um, you know, even even after Mentalo kind of helped her learn how to sort of keep herself together, she had a problem. She was older and she was not getting the roles that 
she once got, and she was really having a hard time doing that. And we saw in an earlier episode where she basically, you know, went to a casting call, which in turn was really a casting couch session, and she lost control, and she ended up smothering the producer to death. Um, what we find out in this one is is she meets a producer, and in order to get roles, she herself, you know, she doesn't. Um, go on the casting couch but what she does is she helps set up casting couch meetings and this woman Mary Beth like she we constantly hear that along with this baby like Mary Beth and the baby and 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 what is it and what we find it is is that you know this this woman I think her I think her full name was Mary Beth Williams but it was definitely Mary Beth um Rita sets up a casting couch rendezvous between this woman and a producer and in turn, Rita would get roles off of this. And what happens is, is after a few meetings, this Mary Beth becomes pregnant. And the producer pretty much then shuns her. He completely ignores her. And Rita, really wanting to keep this good relationship with the producer going, doesn't really do anything about it. Um, this woman's life then goes into a tailspin. She's now a single mother. Uh, let's not forget, this is like probably the mid to late 50s. So a single mom and really no dad around like we don't even know who it is because she she couldn't say who it was i mean she's pretty much ostracized this woman's life is ruined and she ends up actually taking her own life the guilt goes a little bit further is because rita knew about the entire thing she stepped in she did nothing so much so that like she said is that there's pretty much there pretty much now was this infant left behind and instead of like doing the right thing and stepping in and and maybe arranging an adoption or even you know taking the child herself she ignored it and she stayed away because again she didn't want to damage her career and you know like i said rita's really become really has come to know that you know through the series she has come to know that she wasn't a, she wasn't a good person she was a very bad person and she's tried to make atonements for that and i think kind of getting rid of this last bit of guilt that she had and letting it out it really really helped her out and i think her character is going to keep growing with these last few episodes and hopefully into the next season while all that's happening you know they're trying to jog flex's memory they decide the best way to do it is to find his wife dolores now when Cyborg and Jane were well Jane was almost captured Cyborg was captured by the ant farm that's what they did is they actually used Flex's wife Dolores to lure them into a trap so they do find Dolores they bring her there and she's under the she's still kind of under the mental control of the ant farm uh she tries to um kind of subdue Flex um Flex is like, I don't know who this woman is. They're kind of looking at each other, and all of a sudden, they realize who they are. He realizes that she is Dolores. Even though Flex apparently hasn't aged a day, um, Dolores has. But he still recognizes her. She recognizes him. It's a great moment, but here's the thing. The Department of Normalcy, they're still kind of sinking their claws in there. They somehow have something set up that if Dolores and Flex should ever recognize each other, there's a bomb planted inside Dolores, and it exploded. So Flex loses it he he remembers who he is and you know that's that you know he he he's it's it's actually a very painful scene to see um you know we see rita kind of finally come to terms with who she is and then we see this that flex finally remembers who he is but it's at the cost of of his wife's life um and pretty much he then agrees to help them find the chief so what happens is in the following episode penultimate patrol the gang hits the road all right you know we're out there we're gonna go find them um and they all realize that look they know 
they know what's going to happen. As soon as they find Mr. Nobody, Mr. Nobody is going to try to use their fears against them. He's going to try to isolate them and separate them and use those fears against them. They feel, though, that they, that since that initial confrontation inside of the donkey way back when in episode donkey patrol, they definitely feel that they have grown and they really think that they could take care of it. So they hop into the school bus. They start driving out there and who should make an appearance, but Danny, the street, Danny, the street appears in the middle of nowhere. They get out. Uh, Larry kind of introduces everybody. Cause remember it was really only Larry and Vic that, that met, um, Danny, the street, but apparently flex also knows Danny, the street, uh, Danny's very happy to see flex, uh, on one of the signs. He asks, Hey, how's Dolores? And you know, flex tells him what happened and, um, you know, Danny comforts him. Um, you know, so they're like, okay, we're here. What does Danny, the street have to do? with with all of this and Danny says he knows where to find the chief the chief is in the white space the team has no idea what he's talking about but Flex does Flex knows exactly what the white space is he goes over to a newsstand he picks up a comic book and it looks like an old time comic book from the 50s and um he basically shows them. He's like, the white spaces are the spaces between the cartoon panels. You know, that's the white space. That's where Mr. Nobody is hiding. And apparently if Flex flexes a certain muscle with that muscle mental mystery magic, whatever ability it is that he has, he'll be able to transport the rest of the team into the white space. And we get an excellent scene here where he holds up the comic book and he tells them all, focus, focus on the white space. And he begins to flex and he accidentally flexes the wrong muscle. He flexes the muscle that... How do I say this and keep it family-friendly? Um, causes a very excited feeling. Basically, everybody there, Danny the Street himself, all the residents, uh, they basically have an orgasm, except for Cliff, because Cliff can't feel anything. Cliff has no idea what's going on. Why is everybody screaming? Why is everybody shouting? Then he realizes it, and he just adds it in. He's like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, baby, this and that, which leads to a great joke of Jane saying, did you just fake an orgasm? So Flex apologizes. I got the wrong muscle. He does hit the wrong muscle, and we zap them into the white zone. Now, before that, we cut back to the hospital, and we see Silas wake up, and he and Vic talk, and Vic apologizes, and, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't trust you, and and Mr. Nobody played on that. And Silas actually tells him, he goes, you know, you have every right not to trust me. And he pretty much tells him the full story, that, yes, there was an accident in the lab. Both you and your mother were dying. His mother didn't die in the accident. They were both dying. And he knew that he'd only be able to save one of them. And he admits to Victor that he was going to use the cybernetic parts that he used on Victor. He was going to use it on his wife and he was going to save his wife. But the chief actually argued that it should be Vic because Vic was younger, Vic was healthier. And most importantly, he told Silas that that's the choice that your wife would make. Because the chief knew and deep in his heart, Silas knew as well that you know, his wife, she would sacrifice herself to save Victor. Victor was her entire life. And if there was any chance at all to save him, the chance should go towards him. And he basically tells Victor that all those memories that, yes, I did implant them into you. I, I kind of deleted all of that. So because of that, he, he then caused this kind of deep-seated mistrust of his father in him. So basically that mistrust that was there came from the programming and the changing of the memories of Victor. Um, Victor is very, very upset about it, you know, and Silas doesn't blame him at all, but he says, look, 
you got to go after the chief. you got to help him. you got to find him. So we're back in the white space, and right away, as soon as they get there, what does Mr. Nobody do? He separates them all. But what he does is he actually puts them in that frame of time right before those horrific events that forever change their lives. Like we see Cliff the night before the accident, you know, where he's in the trailer with the nanny. Uh, We see Rita on the set of um, that film in Africa right before she's about to go on scene and, and fall into the water and get infected. We see Larry the day of his flight, you know, right before he has the confrontation with, with the negative being. And we see Jane in a mental facility. And what we learn is um, she's kind of barricaded herself in a room. The doctors are coming for her and they're, if they do get to her and bring her in for treatment, the treatment that they're about to do is going to unlock the abilities of all 64 personalities that reside within her. He basically tells them, look, here's the deal. You guys could stay here and you could live your lives out. You you can end up not making those poor choices or, or, or not going down that path that led to you becoming essentially the Doom Patrol, becoming, you know killed in a car crash, getting infected by a chemical, you know, in a, in a lake in Africa, uh, getting that psychological treatment that basically turns you into crazy Jane. He said, you could do that. Just promise me you won't go after the chief. But they all realize it. They realize that it's fake. And they realize because, you know, Larry sees it right away when he starts talking to his wife in the scene, you know, it's not real. He could tell it's not real because he basically, he knows at this point, right before that test flight, his wife knows. His wife knows about John and his wife, you know, knows about his secret and everything. And she's like, come on, it's your big day. And he's like, yeah, but what after my big day? What after this? What about you and me and the kids? And she doesn't really have an answer because it's almost like she's not programmed for it. So Larry's out. He decides, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to go forward with that horrible mistake that led to me becoming, you know, the negative man. Uh, And it's great because Mr. Nobody even says to him, he says, well, what about John? You could be with John. And he goes, John's lived his life. You know, he he lived to a ripe old age. He had a good life. Now it's time for me to get one. Cliff realizes it too. Cliff realizes, and I've been saying it all along, that as a man, he was horrible. But as a robot man, he was a much better person. They all decide to go through with it in order to save the chief. And that's really what we get is they, they do confront the chief. I'm sorry, they do confront Mr. Nobody. And we get Cyborg stepping up in there, and he saves the day, and he blows away Mr. Nobody. And what we get is, uh, hey, you know, we cut back to the Doom Mansion, and there's the Chief. And they're the Doom Patrol, and they're out there solving mysteries and this and that. And they get a Doom Alert, and they go to take on a giant robot, and they get killed. And they go through it again, and they get killed again, and again, and again. And the Chief keeps seeing it, and then he realizes they didn't defeat Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody actually played Cyborg and kind of triggered sort of like this endless loop of the chief forced to watch the Doom Doom Patrol die over and over again. They end up back in the white space and Mr. Nobody tells them, he said, no, you didn't defeat me. It's not that easy. I'm, I'm pretty powerful. He said, there's only one thing that could set you free. And what is that chief and chief? And you know, that old saying, the truth shall set you free. The chief has been hiding a dark secret from all of them. And there have been hints where people have been have told the members of the Doom Patrol, people that know the chief, they say, he's not as great as you think he is. He's got a dark past. He's got a dark secret. He's going to tell them that secret right now. And he tells them that every single incident that led them to be to this place today that caused the accident with Cliff, that 
chemical or whatever it was that infected Rita, the confrontation or, or, or the meeting up with the negative being, uh, Jane getting that treatment, he, the chief, Niles Calder, orchestrated each and every one of those events. Cut the black, start the credits. Next week, or I should say later on this week, is the final episode. So they just drop a huge bombshell. They just learned that all these horrible things that happened to them that, that led them to become Robot Man and Elastigirl and Negative Man and Crazy Jane, he had a hand in all of it. Probably even, too, with Cyborg. You know, let's throw that in there as well. You know, with the accident in the lab and everything. All of it was set up and orchestrated by him. That's an incredible bombshell to drop right before the season finale because obviously they're going to still have that confrontation with Mr. Nobody. Where's it going to go now that they know the truth? They know the truth about the chief and they know that really what happened to them could have been avoided if it wasn't really for his presence. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Head on over to www.brothersinarmchairs.com. That's the website that's going to link you up to every single podcast in the Brothers in Armchairs network. This is Jay, and I'll talk to you guys again soon.